And just like that, Packer Nation, the Packers punched their ticket to the NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I come to you today, January 23rd, around 3 o'clock. This time tomorrow, the Packers will be kicking off against Tampa Bay at Lambeau Field for the right to earn their spot in the Super Bowl in Miami in a few weeks. So we'll get to all that here in a minute. My name's Adam. This is the Pull Tab Podcast. Thank you for liking, subscribing, sharing with your friends, downloading and listening anywhere you can find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google. I'm on there for your listening pleasure. So thank you for tuning in today's show. A couple news and notes to clean up. Sad news and notes from this week to clean up. And then we'll get right into the green and gold. Not going to waste any time on the Brewers or the Bucks. As previous podcasts have been, not even really going to talk much about them. We're going to talk about nothing but the green and gold today. And then we'll take a look at the AFC Conference Championship game between Kansas City and Buffalo. Get my Vegas picks, of course. Sweet action. And we'll actually look at some player props this week of something, some of them that I like coming up on the horizon. Okay, news and notes this week. Very sad. Wednesday, January 20th, the longtime general manager of the Green Bay Packers, Ted Thompson, passed away at the age of 68. Very polarizing figure. I think, for the Green Bay football landscape and Packer fans everywhere. Much maligned. Obviously, the biggest thing on the table from him was having to trade Brett Favre to the New York Jets to install Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. There was no there was no gray area on that. You were black or white. You were either on Ted Thompson to say, yep, it's time to move on and get on with Aaron Rodgers, or where I was on the other side of the coin, it wasn't time to get rid of Favre and trade him to the Jets. So much, much polarizing figure as far as that went, the whole Favre-Rogers thing. He was right right in the middle of it. Look, young age, 68 is so young to be passing away. But he was the Packers general manager for 13 years, post-Ron Wolf era. Learned a lot from Ron Wolf. obviously. The biggest admiration for Ron Wolf and all the Packer nation for everything that he did for this organization, bringing in Brett Favre, bringing in Reggie White. But let's take a look at a couple picks that Ted Thompson had as, like, in his tenure of the Packers, some really good picks that he brought in. We're not going to focus on any negatives. Let's look at some of the good ones. Obviously, right off the bat, Aaron Rodgers. Very polarizing pick, as we talked about. Very controversial pick when we had Brett Favre seeing a quarterback, much like Jordan Love, now that we have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. But he made the pick, took the heat and scrutiny that came along with it, but it's worked out pretty well, I would say. One of my favorite Packers of all times and another draft choice of the late Ted Thompson was Clay Matthews. Love Clay Matthews. Spent a lot of years in Green Bay. Moved on, let him go. He wanted too much money, went to the Rams, and now he's been a free agent, hoping they were bring him back this year, but they did not. So Clay Matthews, one of my favorite picks from Ted Thompson. Bakhtiari, David Bakhtiari. Left tackle extraordinaire. Again, another pick from Ted Thompson who's been an outstanding Packer for a lot of years. No question, Devontae Adams right on the top of that list as well. To find Devontae Adams in this draft and the player that he's become is no question one of Ted Thompson's better picks. I'll run down the list here of a few more. Brian Balago, offensive tackle from Iowa, a lot of years in Green Bay. He found Jordy, found Jordy Nelson out of Kansas State, wide receiver, a lot of good years. Mason Crosby out of Colorado, right? He's been a place kicker for many, many years in Green Bay. Great pick from, from T-squared there. Aaron Jones, Kenny Clark, right along with it. Big, big picks from Ted Thompson. If you take a look at this team right now, look at some of these names on here. Rodgers, Bakhtiari, Adams, Jones, Clark, Crosby. These guys are what we're making our run to the Super Bowl with right now. These are the guys. So Ted Thompson's legacy will live on for a while in Green Bay. I'm sure this is going to be added fuel to the fire for the Packers to get it done on Sunday against Tommy Terrific and the Buccaneers to get back to the Super Bowl. But they don't need any more 
any more, you know, locker room material. Packers know what they have here. Very, very few and far between. Can you come to the cusp of being on the Super Bowl, getting to the Super Bowl? It's just so hard to do, especially in this era of the of the corona and all this other one nine nonsense we've got going on. This is really hard to do. So Packers don't need any, any more locker room material. But Ted Thompson, whether you liked him or not, you know, proof is in the pudding. A lot of good picks, a lot of bad picks as any general manager will have. But gone too soon at the age of sixty eight. So rest in peace, Ted Thompson. Then yesterday's news broke of Hammer and Hank Aaron passed away at the age of 86. Obviously played with the Milwaukee Braves. Then they went to Atlanta, played for the Braves for a lot, a lot of years. He was the home run king forever. And in, and in my eyes and many other eyes, he is still the home run king. Obviously Bonds and McGuire and Sosa chased that record. Bonds eventually breaking it. But the PEDs and the steroid use overshadows his numbers in baseball glory. So Hammer and Hank Aaron passed away at the age of 86. Again, another great baseball player who had to fight through the racial divide and had to stand up for what he believed in and you know get through that whole portion of the of the era of baseball. So Hank Aaron, just a great all-around guy. Never heard one bad thing about him. You read nothing but great articles about him. Good stand-up guy. Stood up what he believed in. Is the home run king as far as I'm concerned in Major League Baseball. And sad to see he passed away yesterday at the age of 86. So rest in peace, Hammerin, Hank Aaron. Okay, let's talk about a little bit more joyful news, and that is the Packers and the NFC Championship game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this time tomorrow for the right to earn their spot to Miami in the Super Bowl. Packers took care of business last week against Los Angeles Rams, winning 32-18 to in a game that was all too close, in my opinion, but we knew what we were going to have there. It was going to be a dogfight. So we talked about in, in last week's podcast, a dogfight between the number one offense in the NFL and the Green Bay Packers and the number one defense in the NFL in the Los Angeles Rams. And really that game came down to a couple things. Aaron Jones, like I mentioned, was going to be a big, big part of that offense to make it work. He had 14 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown, also caught another touchdown. That was a big difference in the game. Defense proved big. They held Jared Goff to 21-27, to 174 yards and a touchdown, but they had four sacks, which was massive. Four sacks in that game. Obviously Goff was less than 100% with that thumb situation that he had. And Cam Akers. 18 carries, 90 yards, and a touchdown. They limited him to what he could do. So very good defensive plan for Mike Patton. Albeit, the one thing that did concern me, and this is a concern going into Sunday, we'll talk about in a little bit, was the ability for the Rams to really work the middle of the field against our, our secondary and our linebackers. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that game, Packers had control of that game really for the most part. Rams made a run late, but we got it done. The Jalen Ramsey, Devontae Adams story, kind of played out, but not a ton really played out because Ramsey wasn't on him every single play. Ramsey didn't cover him every single play. We thought he wasn't going to be a shadow. Adams still got nine catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. Subpar effort from you know Adams, obviously, what we've seen late. The Rams did a good job on him to try to limit his opportunities, but still, nine catches, 66 yards, not bad, and did have that score on the goal line. The biggest thing in that game, folks, hands down, the offensive line for the Packers. This retooled offensive line for the Packers with Bakhtiari going out, and Lindsley had been hurt and had come back, moving these guys around, no sacks allowed. That was the difference to me in the game against the Rams. Yeah, Rodgers had pressure. Yeah, he had to roll it a few times and throw the ball on the run, incomplete, some caught, some bad throws, but they didn't give up any sacks. That is huge in the playoff game, and that is going to be absolutely needed come Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Back to Rodgers for a moment. He did miss some throws. Missed a couple deep throws that could have been game changers. Had a couple guys wide open down the field. He did miss some throws. He wasn't, didn't look all that great in that game, but he was okay. I mean, he hung in there. He was 23 for 36, 
296 and two touchdowns, and also had a rush touchdown. So he puts those numbers on the table tomorrow, and I think we'll be okay against Tampa Bay. Aaron Rodgers fully well knows what this game means, and this might be his last good opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. His interview after the game, he's never had an NFC Championship game at home, at Lambeau, at the Tundra, to try to get it done for the Super Bowl. Super jacked, super pumped. You could tell in his post-game conference last week, he's ready to go. Positives from this game, they moved the ball against that defense. That's the positives. Obviously, I mentioned you know no sacks, but they did move the football against that defense, and that's really encouraging. I think Tampa Bay's defense was much better earlier earlier in the year. I think they struggled as of late, but Tampa still has a decent defense, nothing to the extent that the Rams bring to the table. Vita Bay will be back for Tampa Bay. They're interior defensive linemen. That will, that will absolutely help Tampa Bay. But I like the way that Green Bay is just methodical. They're methodical. They move the football. They haven't been making mistakes. Smart play calling by Lafleur to Rodgers. Rodgers has complete command of, of the offense, as usual, as we've seen in years past. But he's making the right audibles. He's making the right calls. And that's why I just feel so good about this Green Bay Packer offense right now. We talked a little bit about the defense before. They limited the Rams and what they can do. But they gave up a lot of yards across the middle of the field. Our linebackers weren't getting deep enough. Our secondary was getting caught out a little bit. So we'll see how that plays with Tampa Bay. A couple dropsies from the Packer wide receiver in that game. And as I mentioned in playoff football, you cannot have that. You can't have drops in the, in, in the NFL when it comes to the playoffs. Every catch matters. It's a game of inches, right? I mean, you saw it in the Cleveland-Kansas City game. Cleveland dove for the end zone there. That ball goes to the back of the end zone. They score that drive. They might win that game. But it's a game of inches. You can't have mistakes in the playoffs. That also includes drop passes, holding penalties, defensive holding penalties, pass interference, that type of stuff. you got to play a clean game to get it done in the playoffs. So I want to spend too much more time in this Rams game. We're going to look ahead, right? The Rams are done. They're out. The Packers won that game. We're on to play Tommy Terrific and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come rolling into town tomorrow. The Pack installed as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, went to four, went down to three, and now is settled in at three and a half, over under 51 and a half. A lot of money early came on the Packers. That's why I jumped to four. A lot of late money came in on Tampa, went down to three. And now money started coming back on Green Bay and it settled in at three and a half. I did read an article that the first day or so of the bets to make this go to four, which was almost 85% of the money was coming in on Green Bay, swung to Tampa, and now it's kind of settled in. So early money in on the Packers, late money's been coming in on Tampa. Vegas sees a three and a half as an even and even splitting the money down the middle when it comes to the betters. So right off the bat, this run game, the first thing that stands off the page to me with Tampa Bay is their number one run defense. It's going to be a challenge for the Packers to probably run the football against this team. Typically in the NFL, you want to run the ball to set up the pass, right? Play action. If you're running the ball effectively, you suck up the linebackers, you suck up the safeties, a little bit of play action, and that's what opens up the passing game. However, I think in this game tomorrow, the Packers, I think, need to open up the run game with the pass. I think the short passing game, the quick passes, the screens, the slants across the middle, I think those kind of like 15 yards and in set up the ability for success for Jones. Now, Jamal Williams and Dylan were on the injury list as questionable. I believe they both will play. Maybe one will play of the two. But Aaron Jones obviously is a factor in this game. As I mentioned, he was going to be the factor in the Rams game. He's also going to be a big factor in this game. So we'll see how Green Bay attacks him offensively. I did like the way they, they implemented the ball control offense. They weren't taking the play clock all the way down to one second, but Green Bay was methodical, as I mentioned, with their drives last week. They worked the clock and know that, hey, we keep our defense off the field, and if we're in control of this game, we, we feel comfortable with what we're running. We are going to do that and take time off the clock and limit the possessions for the other team. And there's no team that you want to limit possessions for 
than giving the ball back to Tommy Terrific in Tampa Bay. You want to limit those possessions that Brady can get on offense for the Buccaneers. I think offensively for the Packers, you're going to see Devontae Adams trying to be taken out of this game by the defense of the Buccaneers, and that's going to bring MVS in. It's going to bring St. Brown in. It's going to bring these guys in, Tunyon, all back into one-on-one matchups. MVS, had, he was open, wide open, dropped the football, can't have it. Got to make these catches. So MVS and St. Brown could be a big part of this offense come tomorrow. And I'll be honest with you, the sneaky veteran Mercedes Lewis might be a big factor in this game tomorrow. No, he's not going to go out and catch eight balls for 100 yards and a couple scores. But around the goal line, inside the red zone, need a first down. Don't be surprised if you see Mercedes Lewis jump up and make a big play in this football game. Defensive side of the ball for the Packers, going to have going to have their work cut out for him. Again, Tampa Bay comes to the table with a lot of weapons on offense. Now Antonio Brown has been ruled out for Sunday, so that's one less thing the Packers will have to worry about. But they have Fournette in the backfield, Ronald Jones in the backfield. It's running, it's running back by committee in Tampa. Last week, Fournette, 17 carries, 63 yards against the Saints. Ronald Jones, 13 carries, 62 yards against the Saints. So 125 yards rushing there, running back by committee. And Fournette, we know he has big explosive ability and can break a run or a catch out of the backfield wide open. Tough runner, hard to bring down. But the wide receiving core is where we need to look at this Green Bay Packers defense and Mike Pettin, Godwin, Evans, Gronk, Cameron Brait. These are the guys that the Packers are going to have to defend come Sunday. And Tom Brady. Obviously, Tom Brady has got a fire lit under him too. He wants to get back to the Super Bowl without Belichick. I mean, the fact that he's gotten to the NFC Championship game without him has obviously shown, or in his mind, has shown that he was the reason why they had all the Patriots, Patriots' success. I shouldn't say that. Not all the reason, but a very high percentage of the reason the Patriots had that kind of success in New England. And he wants to shove it up Belichick's ass. Let's be honest. He does. You don't think Belichick wanted to be here in the AFC Championship game to shove it up Brady's ass? He absolutely did. But Tom's in the position, not Belichick, and Brady doesn't want to waste this. And who knows how many years Tom has left. He'll probably play another two years, maybe. Maybe one after this. Maybe if he wins the Super Bowl, he might shut it down. Who knows? But he obviously is well-invested in this as well, too. Bruce Arians, Byron Lefwich, they're all on the same page now. Arians with his Rambo-like belt across his shoulder, you know, with his clicker under to talk to the other coaches. Is he just that big now? He can't fit it around. We can't get, we can't get this man an extender for his belt. I mean, he, lo- he looks like a complete buffoon on the sideline with his mask and his shield and his Rambo-like sash he's got going on there. But, hey, whatever. Hey, teach his own, right? They're in the NFC Championship game. Whether you look great or not, doesn't really matter. Looks don't matter. It's what happens on the football field. And obviously, Arians and Lefkowitz have done a great job with Brady to get that offense humming along at the right time. They won against the Saints last week. As I mentioned in my, in my podcast last week, I like, I like the Bucs in that game. It's really hard to beat a team three times in one year, especially one that's in your division. So the Bucs head to, head to Lambeau here against the Packers. And Mike Penn's going to have his work cut out for him on the defensive side of the football. You're going to have to get after the quarterback. Okay, Rashawn Gary's been playing great the last couple weeks. Preston and Zedarius obviously know what you have there. Kenny Clark, you know, Snacks Harrison really hasn't made a huge impact yet. Maybe this is the time he does, but they got to get after Brady. They have to get after Brady and make him unsettled back there in the pocket. Make him throw quick. If you get to Brady, he gets the happy feet. He throws a lot of balls in the dirt. A lot of balls in the dirt. So we need to get to him and get to him often. At least put a little bit of thought in his head that he's not going to be able to stand back there and pick this defense apart. Jair Alexander, just an absolute beast. Numbers as good as Ramsey, if not better. Lockdown corner. Love the guy. What do they do? Do they lock him on Evans? Do they lock him on Godwin? Do they move him around? I'd be curious to see what Petten does with Jair back there in that secondary. 
and the rest of the guys, Sullivan, Savage, these boys, Amos, they're going to have to play their best football. They can't get sucked up in the run with Fournette and Jones. They're going to have to stay home and let it come to them. Let the game come to them. Don't get beat deep on, on some of these plays that you don't need to be getting beat deep on. Play smart. Tomorrow is all about playing smart in the secondary for the Packers. There's a lot of weapons, but the defensive line and the linebackers for the Packers are going to have to step up and help the secondary by getting pressure on old Tommy Terrific. Between Barnes and Kirksey, they got to have a good game. They got to man up with Gronk. They got to man up with Cameron Braid. Limit, limit what those guys can do. And they got to be better with the center of the field, the middle of the field coverage, like I mentioned. That was one huge concern I had that the Rams were doing. They were running a lot of slants, they were running a lot of, running a lot of ins to the teeth of the defense, and they were having a lot of success. And one thing Tom Brady has done on this team is he spreads the football all around on this team. He's playing at a high level right now, but you're going to have eight guys, nine guys from Tampa probably catch passes tomorrow. That's what they do. They move guys around. Brady's not afraid to sling it to whoever's there, whoever's open, whoever's in the game, and they'll continue to do it. So, yeah, you got your big names, your Evans and your Godwins and your Gronks, but you got to look out for all the other guys, too, on this, on this team. So the biggest thing, like I mentioned, Jair Alexander is going to be huge. These linebackers for this team are going to be huge. They got to cover that that middle part of the field. I will guarantee you that Leftwich and Arians saw what the Rams did offensively into the teeth of that Packers defense, and we'll try to exploit that tomorrow. So again, Packers sitting right now at three and a half, 51 and a half over under. I don't like the over under at all. I think this game is going to be either way under or way over. I don't think there's really anything in between there. It's hard to say. Tomorrow is going to be 29 degrees, 10 mile an hour winds. There's snow in the morning that's supposed to move out for the afternoon kickoff there at 2:05 at Lambeau. So I'll, no playing the over-under. I'll take the Packers minus three and a half. I really like it at three if you can find it. Three and a half is just because it's bent with my heart here. I know you can't bet with your heart, but it is an NFC Championship game. I think this game probably could be down to a field goal, but I'm going to pick the Packers 34-30 in this game. So, yep, that would be over the 51 and a half that I mentioned, but I really don't have a play for it. I just think this is going to be a game where we're going to be a lot of scoring early. It might be kind of a lull in the middle of the game, and then it's going to be an onslaught late. So give me the Packers 34-30 against the Buccaneers. They will head to Miami to try to win another Super Bowl, win a fifth Lombardi Trophy to bring it home. Titletown USA needs the Lombardi Trophy back in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay, some of you have emailed me and talked to me about some player props or some other props on the games if you don't like the line. For example, I don't really like this line at all. I don't like the three and a half. I don't like the 51 and a half. Play the Packers just for the hell of it. But there's other options. There's a ton of options out there. Barstool Sports has started their, their sports book with Penn Gaming. Barstool Sportsbook can go on there and look. They have just about everything you can bet on from first score to last score, who scores first, who scores last, all that stuff like that. So I went through some of the player props for this Green Bay game tomorrow, and I picked up about four of my favorite player props that you could play. All right, touchdown. Who will score a touchdown tomorrow? This has all the main players that you can think of on it. I'm not going to go through all the names, but a couple that I like were off the bat. Aaron Jones. I like Aaron Jones at 10-1 to score a touchdown tomorrow, and I like Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis is 70-1 to tomorrow. Like I said, I think he could be a sneaky play down by the goal line inside the red zone. So give me Jones at 10-1 to and give me Lewis at 70-1 to to score a touchdown tomorrow. Receptions. St. Brown over-under, 1.5. that is. I like the over in that. I think St. Brown's going to have at least two catches, if not four to five tomorrow. As I mentioned, Devontae's going to be trying to be locked out by Tampa. That's going to open opportunities for MVS and for St. Brown. And I think St. Brown can do two catches or more tomorrow. So give me St. Brown over one and a half catches at 22 to one. And the last one on this game, I mentioned it before, he's been playing a lot better. And I think he's getting opportunities because of the double teams to Zadarius, to Preston, to Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary Sachs over under 
half sack. I like the over at 28 to 1. Give me the over for Rashawn Gary. I think he has a sack tomorrow. I think for, for certain he's going to get a half sack tomorrow. And at 28 to 1, I like those odds with Rashawn Gary. So those are a few player props for the Packer game. Man, just an awesome time right now to be a Packer fan, to be Packer Nation watching this game. It's going to be awesome. And just last year, the NFC Championship game was such a letdown against the Niners, but we made it all the way back here again. Coach LaFleur doing a great job. Rodgers doing a great job blending in with him, putting egos aside, making it work. Players stepping up. Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon. We'll see what that brings tomorrow, who plays. But Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, always going to be there. Playmakers, Zadarius, pressing these guys on defense. Always going to be there. Savage, always going to be there. Just need to get it done tomorrow. It's going to be a tough task. If Tampa comes in tomorrow, they're going to keep this game close. I don't see a blowout at all in this game either way. And Tampa's a talented football team. Hey, they beat us pretty handily earlier in the year, and I'm not going to spend much time talking about, about that game because it was week six, I believe, earlier in the year, and these are two different football teams. The Packers were still kind of finding their way. Tampa was really, really hot early, tailed off, is starting to get hot as of late. But these are two different football teams from where they were back then in week six. So Green Bay, let's get it done. Packer Nation, let's get after it. And next week of the podcast, we'll talk about the Packers, hopefully, and their Super Bowl appearance in Miami to try to claim their fifth Lombardi trophy. On the flip side of the coin, the AFC Championship game is looking to be pretty darn good itself. Buffalo travels to Kansas City to take the now-cleared concussion protocol quarterback of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City right now is installed as a three-point favorite over under 54. I believe this is the lowest favorite number that Kansas City has had all year. They've always been in the 7, 8, 9, double-digit range all year long. Patrick Mahomes injured last week in the second half with a concussion has cleared the protocol, and is expected to play tomorrow against Buffalo. But he also has a toe injury he's been dealing with in the first half of that game last week. It kind of immobilized him a little bit. You could tell he was wincing in a little bit of a pain. I'm sure they'll shoot that, that toe up with some, some Novocaine or something and ship him down the road. The thing here is very easily to get hurt again, right? Everyone saw what a scary scene it was when he got up and his, he got his noodle scrambled. He didn't know where he was, right? Very Scary scene last week in Kansas City for Mahomes. He takes another hit like that. It's not going to be much to get him hurt, to get him out of this game. And if you're Kansas City, you don't want Chad Henney coming in this game. Six of eight for 66 yards and an interception. I know everyone's saying he threw the two-yard pass to first down to clinch the game against Cleveland, but the three, four possessions he had against that Cleveland defense, he did nothing with that football. That is a scary, scary proposition to be in if you're Kansas City to have Chad Henney come in this game and try to get you to the Super Bowl if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. Buffalo on the other side of the coin, they are just riding the wave. I thought they have a little bit of a letdown last week against Baltimore because they won their first playoff game in so long against the Colts. That have been a little, little bit of a letdown spot, but this Buffalo team, week after week, is proving to be just a solid team. Defensively, middle of the road. Offensively, stellar. They don't run the ball a ton. They throw the ball a lot. And it's crazy because Allen's numbers aren't massive. You look at Allen's numbers the last two playoff games against the Colts. 26-35, 324, and two touchdowns. Solid, way above average football game. Against the Ravens, he was 23 for 37, 206 yards and a touchdown. That's good. I mean, that's good in the playoffs, but you think you need to be better than that to win these playoff games. But the thing that Josh Allen does that is so impressive is the way he can make plays when there isn't a play to be made. And what I mean by that is if he's on the run, if he has pressure, you think he's just throwing the ball away, and boom, he hits his receiver on the sideline 10, 15 yards down the field for a, you know, a tightrope catch against the sideline. 
Or he looks back and boom, hits his running back across the middle of the field for a 10-15 yard gain when you don't see anything there. He's got great eyes down the field. He doesn't panic. And he will always extend the play until he gets to the sideline. And very rarely do you see this kid throw the ball away. He makes plays. His receivers know to come back. His receivers and him are on a very good vibe right now where they know where they need to be if he's scrambling and where they're going to go. Because some of those throws he makes are phenomenal. But unless you're on the same page with your receiver, that just doesn't happen. So this Buffalo Bills offense is rolling right now, minus really a huge running game. And they're going to head into Kansas City. And Kansas City's defense is okay. It's not that great. That game against Cleveland last week, in my opinion, Cleveland had every chance to win that football game. Every chance. Kansas City didn't really do much of anything special last week at all. Yeah, they hit their big plays, like the, and you know they're going to do that. But they didn't really limit Cleveland to doing a whole lot. Cleveland kind of shot themselves in the foot a lot in that game. And if, you, if you're playing in the playoffs with a team that's making mental mistakes and errors and fumbling the ball to the goal line to try to, to tie the football game, you need to put those teams away. And I know Mahomes got hurt in the second half, but they had a lot of chances to, to stretch, out, stretch your legs a little bit against the Cleveland Browns last week at home in the playoffs, and they didn't do it even when Mahomes was in there. So Kansas City right now isn't the world beaters that they were earlier in the year. I mean, don't get me wrong. Kansas City's a good, good football team. They're a good coach football team with Andy Reid. And, of course, Eric Bieniemy, who's getting passed over for all these head coaching jobs, which I think is absolutely asinine. And we'll talk about that maybe next week in my podcast. We'll go over all the coaching hires in the NFL. But Bieniemy and Andy Reid, good, well-coached football team. They're going to score points. But Buffalo's going to score points, too, here come tomorrow. So let's just take a look at the numbers on this game real quick. On the defensive side of the ball, Kansas City sits 15th in the league of yards giving up per game at 370. Buffalo's 13th in the league at 366. Passing yards allowed, Kansas City sits 14th, allowing 236. Buffalo, just one better, 13th, allowing 232 a game. Rushing, same thing. Kansas City is 21st in the league, allowing 122, which doesn't really matter. Buffalo doesn't run the football. But Buffalo is 17th in the league, allowing 119. Points per game, 10th, 22 for Kansas City, 16th, 23 for Buffalo. So very, very similar type defenses that are going to be on the field on Sunday. And that's why I think there'll be a lot of points in this game. We'll get to that in a moment. And, of course, offensively, two of the best in the league. Kansas City's first in the league at yards per game with 425. No surprise there. Buffalo's not far behind at 406, but puts them fourth in the NFL. Kansas City's number one in the league in the pass. No surprise. 303 yards. Buffalo, not far behind. Third in the league at 288 per game. Rushing yards. These guys are in the middle of the road again. As I mentioned, Kansas City... Runs the ball a little bit when they can with Edwards Alaire, who's obviously questionable for the game. And Williams is back there in the backfield. But that, they sit 16th in the league at 112 yards a game. And as I mentioned, Buffalo doesn't hardly ever run the ball. They're 20th in the league at 107 per game. The one stat that does stand out, and I've talked about this before, is third down percentage. How often do you convert on third down? The Chiefs are third in the league at 49, and the Bills are first. Almost 50% of the time they will convert on third down. And nine times out of ten, it's going to be throwing the football. So... Two offensive teams here, two defenses in the middle of the road. They're calling for a potential rain in this game. It's going to be around 40 degrees, 44 degrees, a little bit of wind, but they're calling for rain in this game tomorrow night. KC sitting minus three. Somewhere in some places you can find it at minus four. The dogs have just been so good this year. They've been so good this year, and Kansas City has only covered one of their last nine games. Not good. Not good heading into this ASC championship game. I think this is a field goal game all day long. I think Kansas City wins by a field goal. I think Buffalo can win by a field goal. So as far as the sweet action goes, give me Buffalo plus the three or plus the four if you can find it on some outlets. 
And as far as the over under 54, just give me the over. You got to play the over in this game. It might not get there, but looking at the stats and we know what kind of offenses these teams have, they're going to be throwing the football around. If anyone's behind, it's going to be flinging the ball around the yard, slinging it all over the place. And you would think there'd be points of plenty in this game. We'll see what the weather looks like tomorrow. Getting closer to game time, that could adjust my play on the over. But I think you got to play Buffalo right now with the points. And then Kansas City with Mahomes, one shot, he could be out. You know, Kansas City's going to score points, and you hate betting against them because they can throw 7, 14, 21 points up in a blink of an eye. But, man, this Buffalo team, I keep doubting them, and they keep proving me wrong. I thought Baltimore would get it done last week. Nope. I thought the Colts would have got it done the week before. Nope. This Buffalo team keeps it rolling, and no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. So Josh Allen rolling in to Arrowhead Stadium with the Bills, the hopes of all Bills Nation to get back to the Super Bowl for some sort of redemption for the four Super Bowl losses that they had back in the early 90s. Should be a good game. So let's take a look at some player props on that Kansas City game as well. Only a couple here, not many. Touchdowns. Who's going to score a touchdown? I like Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, about 2.5 to 1 to score a touchdown, running back for Kansas City. Even if Edwards Hilaire comes off the, the injury list and does play, I think Williams will get a little bit more action, especially down by the goal line. And the one I like the most on this game, 150 to 1. Our guy, which we hated let go, Micah Hyde, who plays safety now for the Buffalo Bills. To have an interception, he's 151. Why not? Why not? Looking at some of these player props, you got two teams that throw the ball all over the field. Those are the type of like player props I'd look at. The chances for interceptions go very, very high when you have two teams that don't run the ball a lot and pitch the ball all over the yard. So give me Micah Hyde at 151 as a player prop in the Kansas City-Buffalo game tomorrow. Okay, the stage is set. Championship Sunday, tomorrow. This time tomorrow, we'll be full into the first quarter of the Packer-Buccaneers game. And a 6.05 start for the Kansas City-Buffalo game. We're going to find out who will be playing for the Vince Lombardi Trophy in Miami on February 7th. So Packer Nation, this is a fun time. Enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Even if the unfortunate and the unthinkable happens tomorrow, enjoy for the chance to be here because there's a lot of teams that don't ever get a chance to see their team make a playoff run like the Packers have. And the Packers have had long success. We've been spoiled as Packer fans between Favre to Rodgers and all the playoff success and Super Bowls that we've had. A lot of teams that don't have a chance and don't look at Buffalo. Buffalo is early 90s. They've had to wait almost 25 to 30 years to get back into this into the fray of playoff football. So enjoy it, Packer fans. I will crank up the Bloody Marys tomorrow morning, then lead into the old fashions, and then start sucking some beers during the game. Let's get it done. Let's get after it. And let's talk next week about the Super Bowl matchup with the Green Bay Packers versus whoever it is, the Bills or Kansas City, doesn't matter. As long as the green and gold is going to be in Miami playing for their fifth Lombardi trophy for Titletown USA. So until next time, and hopefully after a Packer win, have a good one.